You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hi guys, you're very welcome along to episode 69 of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. One away from number 70. Yeah, they do one away from number 70, and it's hard to believe, actually. I think uh, that there might be the last one before the actual NFL season starts. We're really, really, really close to the action now, and even makes it more exciting for me as week one and week two I'll be in a, in America for a little holiday, so looking forward to that. So each and every week we do another podcast, each, each, and, each and every week we're getting one week closer to my holidays. Yes, Colin, thanks for sharing that <laughs> with us, everybody living in Ireland in particular where it was wet today. Yeah, well, DJ, unfortunately for me too, I'm still living in Ireland and I can still hear the rain beating off the window here as we record the podcast. So looking forward to getting some sunny weather in San Diego and getting a little bit of tailgating in and going to watch the Seahawks to get on the Chargers NFL Week 2. And we'll probably be talking a little bit more later in the show, DJ, with the Seahawks versus the Chargers in NFL preseason Week 2. Seahawks well and truly took care of business in that one. So DJ, let's get on to today's show, and on today's show we're going to be joined by Jim Diopolis, former NFL official, supervisor of officials. We're getting him on to talk about some of the new rule changes and some of the things going on in the NFL preseason from an officiating standpoint. We'll also be joined by John Arnett. John is a betting expert. He's going to be talking about his book a little bit when he comes on, handicapping guide for the upcoming season. Really knows his stuff when it comes to betting in the NFL, and he's going to be coming on to talk to me a little bit about the upcoming season from a betting perspective, and we'll be giving you some inside tips on what maybe you should be looking out for if you're putting on a bet this upcoming season. We'll also be having a little interview with our guy over there in Tampa Bay. It's Connor Philpott. He's from Cork here in Ireland, but he's over in Tampa Bay. Big Bucks fan. He's over at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp. He was talking with Pat Murray, who was on with us a few weeks ago. Pat uh, is down there trying to make the roster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so Connor caught up with him with a couple of minutes of an interview that Connor put together with him. So that'll be coming up later in the show, as well as that interview with John Arnett. As first, as always, we're going to talk about the last word on sport. Our pals over there doing a great work promoting the show. And they're also setting up their own radio network now, and we're proud to be part of that here at Overtime Ireland. You'll be able to listen to their radio network. Some other great shows there, including Thursday Night Tailgate, another podcast they have on, Talking American Football. Great show that the guys do over there, and they're also part of the last word on sport network and a couple other podcasts too involved, covering the likes of MMA and golf podcasts and so on. So, be sure and check out the new radio network there from Last Word on Sport. You can check them out on Twitter. It's at Last Word on Sport. And their website is lastwordonsport.com. DJ.com is being talked about here on OvertimeIreland.com. We're getting our face left on the site here. It's been a long time coming maybe, but going to be a little bit more interactive, more helpful on the tablet format, more helpful on your iPad, more helpful on your iPhone or whatever you like to use to browse the internet during game time in the NFL and you'll also be able to listen to the Overtime Ireland podcast now will be embedded on the site. We're hoping to have that there up and running before the end of next week. We're just in the process at the moment of switching things over so very, very excited to get the new Overtime Ireland website up and running but a lot of guys writing for the site. We've been setting up our schedule for the upcoming season and around 15 to 20 guys at the moment looking to write on Overtime Ireland. So good stable of writers there for the upcoming season. If you're interested in getting involved and having a platform to write your NFL work, do hit us up with an email at overtimeireland at gmail.com. We'll always look to give people a platform to write about the NFL and American football in general. That's all the plugs out of the way, so let's go into that Red Zone interview now with our guest, Jim Diopolis. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. 
Joining us back on the podcast now, it's Jim Diopolis. Jim was an NFL official in the NFL for 11 years and then spent 12 years as the NFL supervisor of officials. So we had him on a while back, just before the Super Bowl last season. It's great to have you back on the show, Jim. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again. I had a great time last year. <laughs> yeah, it's always good having you on. And uh, just wanted to have you on in particular with the uh, rule changes, you know, for the preseason, some different rules coming in. And just wanted to get your thoughts on them because I've seen you on Twitter talking about them and I've seen you writing a few articles and so on about them and your opinions being voiced on the internet. So I just wanted to get you on the podcast to talk a little about it. Do you think uh, some of the rule changes this off season have maybe gone a little bit uh, too far or what have your thoughts been overall? Well, Carl, what you've got to understand is each year the competition committee addresses specific new rules that they want to implement into the league. And, and the rules are usually brought in, new rules are usually brought in for two reasons. Number one, uh, to increase scoring, and number two, for safety reasons. Uh, this year they seem to... Uh, kind of expanded on it to, to go to increase the scoring. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to let these guys, they want these receivers to be able to run free out there. They want to increase the scoring. So basically what's happening is they're saying, once those receivers go beyond five yards, get your hands off them. Do not hinder them in any way and let them run free. And it seems like uh, the officials have taken that to heart during the preseason because we certainly are seeing an awful lot of penalty flags right now. See, Jim, when you were involved in the league, and obviously you were a supervisor of officials as well, being an official on the field, did you ever get notification coming down through the pipeline to really emphasis on certain penalties? Uh, certainly do. You, you, you always do. Any time the, the competition committee uh, lists a specific rule as a point of emphasis, we as officials were told we really kind of watch these things, and especially in the, in the preseason games, this is where you want to, go out there and say, hey, this is what the competition committee wants. We've got to get better at this. They want this cleaned up. So we're going to be a little bit tougher, a little bit stricter at this time making these calls. So that's why you're going to see, and that's why you've seen so many flags in this preseason. They're calling everything. Now what's going to happen is the teams are going to have to go back and they're going to have to learn what is being called right now. They're going to tell these defensive backs, you can't put your hands on them. You know, that, that hand fighting that they let them get away with last year, they're not going to let them do it this year. So the teams are going to have to adjust to the way the officials are calling the game. And they do that. You know, this preseason, they're going to, they kind of feel themselves out. And that's what's going to even happen during the regular season. They're going to feel the officials out. And the better players, they know how to take it right to the edge and know how to when to stop so it doesn't uh, draw a flag. Yeah, it's just about getting the, you know, not getting caught when you're doing it, but there's so many officials on the field. But you mentioned there, it's kind of, they're taking it at the moment, it's at the extreme level. And as the season progresses, then we see it every offseason, it'll kind of calm down a little bit. The players will get more used to what's tolerable. And then the officials as well will maybe be a little more, bit more lenient. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing that you're seeing a lot of this in the preseason is the uh, penalty they're calling for illegal use of the hand yeah. and hands to the head. Yeah. And, and, and it used to be, you know, when you were out on the wide receivers, any kind of contact out there on the wide receiver's head or helmet was a foul. But when it came to the interior line play, where you big, get the big guys in there, there was a lot of belting and a lot of hands, hands going up to the face. So what the league would say is, we want to see a prolonged and sustained movement of the hand to the helmet. Well, they're taking that out, and they're saying any contact to the head or helmet now is a foul. So you're seeing a lot more 
uh, fouls under this under this new experiment and this new rule emphasis. So again, the players are going to have to adjust. With keep your hands away from the helmet, keep your hands away from the head of your opponent. Yeah, in particular with the concussions and you know the lawsuit and all with that, there the NFL is obviously going to clamp down on anything that you know any strikes to the head and so on. But one of the ones uh, you know it hasn't been obviously talked about as much, but it's something that I'm always interested in is when. The wide receiver is rarely called for pass interference, while the defensive back is that usually the culprit in it. But do you think uh, there'll be a little bit more emphasis, maybe, on wide receivers with illegal contact down the field as well this season? Well, Colin, they they always talk about that, and and, and they want to make it points of emphasis uh, out on that wide receiver. But again, as an official, what you try to do is you watch the play of the defensive back and the wide receiver. And then it all comes down to advantage and disadvantage. You want to let them play a little bit. You know there's going to be some slight contact out there. But when one player gets an advantage, and whether it's the offensive player or the defensive player, when one of those players gets an advantage, you have to get the flag down and call a foul. What they've done this year also is they've, they've kind of tightened up on the offensive pass interference. The, the action right at the line of scrimmage when that uh, wide receiver or the slot receiver would block or throw a pick, you know, right at the right at the line of scrimmage. And, and it used to be we used to want it down one yard. Now they're saying any contact at the line of scrimmage or beyond is a foul. So they've taken out that one yard, so they're going to make it a little bit tougher for the for the receivers, and they're not going to give them that advantage where they can throw those picks and have that contact on the on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, we've seen it a number of times last year with the pick plays in particular, a number of players getting knocked out of the game or concussed. I remember in the New England Patriots game against Denver, there was a, a particularly notable one with Wes Welker involved. But you mentioned uh, a, number, right. a, a number of interesting points there, but another one that I'm interested in is on the Jimmy Graham and dunking the ball over the bar. Do you think that's here to stay? Yes, that, that is, and that's, that's just a, a rule that the NFL wants to put in there. I'm, you know, players are still going to do it. They, they, I, I guess they're referring to it as the Jimmy Graham room rule from the uh, New Orleans Saints because when he scores, he likes to dunk it over the goalpost. Yeah. I think he got two penalties last week, yeah. and uh, Sean Payton is pretty upset with him, and they've had some conversations. But, you know, the players are going to do what they find him $500 or wherever they find him, and they just soon pay that fine because they like to kind of show their stuff. But, you know, it's just part of the game. You know, we've seen everything from the the dances, the sack dances, all the different things. And, the, and they, little by little, the league kind of it tries to eliminate some of those things that, that basically uh, show show up the opponents. And that's what they're trying to do. They just don't want the, the players to show up their opponents. Yeah, and just if we just think about the rules coming in this season, people always at this time of the year are jumping on, you know, all over the rules, and maybe they're, they're, they say that the people are taking it too far, the people that make the rules. But if we just take ourselves back to this time last year, and the the rule came in, kind of was kind of being dubbed the Trent Richardson rule for, you know, the the running back leading with his head as he comes out of the yeah. comes out of the box, and uh, mm-hmm. that there that there didn't get called too many times last season. I think we kind of overlook or overblow these things at this time of the year. That, that's a great point, Colin, and, and that's and that's what happened. Again, people have got to understand this is the preseason. This is a training time. This is a time when the players are trying to learn what the officials want. The officials are trying to learn what the what the league wants. And then they're trying to put it all together. And there's an awful lot of young officials working right now. You know, the NFL has about over 20 what they call developmental officials working these preseason games. And they're trying to get a, 
a feel for the action. So they're making a lot of calls that probably wouldn't be called in the regular season. So everybody's trying to learn. You know, they'll watch it. The you know the league office, the officiating department's going to look to watch, watch and see how the calls have gone during the preseason, and then they'll make their adjustments. And whether they're going to back off or not, the players are going to have to adjust to the way the officials are calling once the regular season starts. Yeah, you also mentioned there, Jim, some of the you know officials that are trying to maybe get themselves elevated up to being just uh, the main match official uh, as the referee and so on. There's a lot of them in there this offseason. You mentioned around 20 of them. This, uh, How does the grading process work for that, and how do they actually get that upgrade then? Basically, you know, you have a number of officials that are already in the league that are kind of what we call auditioning to become referees. There's probably a handful of them because there are a few referees who've had We've had a few changes this year. I know that uh, Scott King, Scott Green and Ron Winter have retired along with uh, Mike Carey. So they have some new uh, referees coming in, and these are referees that have worked and auditioned in the preseason before. And this is happening again this year. You know, I saw, I watched an individual, John Hussey, work the other night, and he's working his position. Uh, he's normally a line judge, and what he's trying to do is he's trying to move into the referee position. So, and did an outstanding job the other day. I watched him in, in St. Louis. So, these guys are getting their opportunity to audition along with these college officials. As I said, there's about 20, I think there's 20 or 21 college officials that are competing as finalists now to try to get to the next level to work to the NFL. And again, it's just one of these things that it's, uh, it's the audition, how you do, and you get, you get out on the big stage and you better be able to perform when they watch it, when they're watching you. Yeah, it's very interesting to get that. That's something you don't hear a lot of places. You don't find out how the guys actually move up the ladder, progress into being uh, main official in an NFL game. So interesting to, to hear that. And uh, the last thing I want to ask you about is the, the PATs from a little bit further out this year. We've seen it in the first two weeks of preseason. Do you think that's a, a good idea or do you think it uh, doesn't really matter? I don't think it makes a lot of difference, honestly. Um, I thought the, the percentage were pretty high, even from you know where they were kicking from 30, 33 yards out. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the percentage stayed pretty high. Uh, it's just the nature of the game. Uh, again, sometimes, you know, why why fix something that's not broken? And, and that's what they're trying to do is, is to fix something. But it, it, it gives a little bit more uh, excitement to the game if they try if they try a two-point conversion. And, uh, you know, so I'll see how it goes. I think it's just an experiment that the league's going to to work with along with you know, they're also experimenting, Colin, with a number of with eight officials out there in a few situations. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it, this is all part of the progression of working in the National Football League, and they're trying to uh, see what they can do to better the game. And, you know, anything that they can do to, to improve the game, you know, is a very is a positive. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how it goes. You mentioned the eight officials, and it's not that long ago that instant replay was something that people didn't think would work in the NFL, so we'll see how that goes. But just to finish up, Jim, you're heading over to us over here in Ireland in the in the very near future. I'll be over to Dublin. I'll be uh, arriving on the 26th uh, and spending the week there and also working for the American Athletic Conference with the, uh, the, with the officials that will be officiating the Penn State uh, UCF game uh, on Saturday, the... I believe it's the 30th, and uh, yeah. it, was, it sounds like it's going to be a sold-out game. Yeah, it's and, pretty close. Uh, I think it, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get over there and, and uh, return to Dublin one more time to watch a football game, and hopefully we can spend some time together, and uh, I'd like to meet the guys from Overtime Ireland. 
Yeah, looking forward to meeting up with you. And uh, I told you before the podcast, uh, before we started recording, we're saving. It's bad weather here at the moment, but we're trying to save the good weather for when you come over uh, next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I sure hope it's sunny and warm over there. <laughs> that's how we like it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jim, once again. And anyone that wants to follow Jim on Twitter, obviously, you can check him out at RefereeJimD. And you get great insight there when the games are on. He tweets out all his thoughts on some of the calls in the game. So if you have any refereeing questions, any officiating questions during the season, make sure you're following him. That's RefereeJimD on Twitter. And thanks once again, Jim. Hey, everybody. I'm Adam Rank of NFL.com and NFL Fantasy Live. And you are listening to Overtime Ireland Football Podcast. Perhaps, nope, I will declare it number one. The greatest podcast out of Ireland. Oh, it's Jim Diopolis back on the podcast. Highly recommend going and checking him out on Twitter. He gives great insight and information, as I mentioned, when the games are on during the NFL season. So check him out. That's referee Jim D's his Twitter handling. DJ now with all that Red Zone interview out of the way. Let's go into some NFL news. NFL news. So DJ, we'll let you be the master of ceremonies for the NFL news here on Overtime Ireland. And what do you want to start this week's show off with? How about the big, big news, DJ, and that there is that Overtime Ireland now has over 2,500 followers on Twitter. How about that? Yes, NFL.com. I'm sure they're <laughs> picking up that story column. Yeah, I think I've seen something on it on uh, Pro Football Talk, talking about the Overtime Ireland Twitter handle going over 2,500 followers. We just want to have a quick thank you to all of you who do download the show, do listen to the show, and do follow us on Twitter, and keep the, doing the great work you're doing is spreading the word off the show. So thanks to everyone who is following us, and... It's great. Uh, we'll keep moving onwards and upwards. That's just this around the year mark now, DJ, after doing the podcast. So great stuff uh, here at Overtime Ireland. And we'll hopefully double that in year two. Colin, some people commonly say that the Houston Texans do not have a decent quarterback. And a lot of the time they're not wrong. But the Houston Texans managed to get 32 points on the board this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, DJ, much better from the Texans compared to the week one game and I guess week to week we'll see a lot of changes in pre-season as we go into the NFL regular season and I'm sure the Texans fans are much much happier with the outcome in this year Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first game was really abysmal 9-12 in this game 97 yards and a touchdown so much much improved and the player in this game DJ I like to look off was uh, Devontae Freeman running back for them drafted him this year and he had quite a nice uh, going on the ground he also looked well catching the ball a few times through the air very explosive and Really, really impressed with him. So he's one of the players that uh, I was looking out for, and he's one of the players that I'm actually trying to target in a lot of our uh, fantasy drafts. So impressive compared to the first game on offense, but on defense in particular. And DJ, I know you want to talk about Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt. We've been kind of hyping up that pairing for quite a while and came into fruition in preseason week two. Yeah, Colin, a lot of defenses, you know, people talked about the impact Jadavion Clowney could have, and I'm fairly sure that... Anton Smith of the Atlanta Falcons is still feeling the impact that Jadavion Clowney could have even though that game took place on Friday night <laughs> Yeah, hit him with quite a, quite a shot as he came out of the backfield there and got his first sack in the NFL as well so Clowney's shown what he can do off the edge, very explosive and you know when you have a player like him on one side if he's able to dominate then you have JJ Watt on the other side it's going to be really really hard for any offensive line to keep the two of them away from the quarterback and stop, stop him getting to the running back so very, very uh, positive news there for the Texans. They took him first overall in this year's draft, so they'll be hoping for big things from him. But step forward there compared to their, their first week uh, in preseason. And I think the, some positives take away because, you know, balance the two games together, you take the rough with the smooth. And maybe they've got an average side at the moment, but a lot of people were very worried after that first game and the performance on offense, so a little bit better this week for them. I really think Colin Jadavion Clowney is 
living up to the reputation and hype that he had coming out of college and I don't think there's any team that's going to be looking forward to facing the duo that is him and J.J. Watt. Well, that is for sure, DJ. And Colin, while we're talking about first round picks in the 2014 NFL draft, the number four overall pick, Bills rookie wide receiver Sammy Watkins exited Saturday's 19-16 to week two preseason loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but thankfully, and I'm sure a lot of Bills fans were worried at the time, but it turns out now that it is just bruised ribs and nothing more serious yeah he's going to be a key piece obviously to what they do this season and obviously EJ Manuel is another part DJ that is a you know really going to tell where this team goes and if he plays poor the whole team obviously is going to struggle they have some nice pieces of running back you have CJ Spiller there and you obviously have Fred Jackson who's been there for quite some time Bryce Brown came in this offseason but the player DJ like uh, you're talking about their first round draft pick everyone's going to be looking to see what he does but they have other pieces there too and I like Robert Woods I think that he, he could have a big season for them this year. And Scott Chandler, while he's not the most you know dynamic tight end in the world, he's going to be another player that will help them out. But everyone wants to see Watkins and what he can do. And obviously when he went down injured, the Bills fans were going to be worried. But I think it was more precautionary that they took him out of this game. And you mentioned they were playing the Steelers. DJ Ryan Shazier, I thought he had a tremendous game for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Buffalo Bills. And I thought it was probably the best rookie performance I've seen of any rookie this offseason so far and he missed the first game actually he missed week one of preseason and came in in this game and really dominated had an interception had a number of tackles plays on special teams and was really all over the field for the defense and very very impressive he keeps going like this here he's gonna be really one to watch out for this season and really on the defensive side of the ball the Steelers have improved they've got a lot younger a lot faster and I think that defense is gonna be a little bit stronger a little bit more stout this year and I think Ryan Shazier can be a real key part of that if he can can stay fit we've seen Kenny Vaccaro going in for the Saints last year and how how good of a job he done we've seen Kiki Alonso up there in Buffalo unfortunately he's injured he's going to miss this upcoming season but we've seen what both of them done in their rookie years at the defensive positions and I think Ryan Cesare could be another one coming in this year and could be dominating on that side of the ball it was a very impressive performance by Cesare and he made a big difference in deciding how that game went yeah it is of course that key turnover I mentioned got the ball back into the Pittsburgh Steelers hands and led them down the field and ended up winning that game 19-16 so very close game and both teams some positives to come out of it and that's what you're looking for this time of the year a few positives obviously the defense aren't really scheming for the quarterbacks because the plays are going to change and new season to be new schemes for the offense and it's hard for the defenses to scheme for them so we'll see the defenses probably improve as the season goes on one thing that you would look into so far in this season and I mentioned Shazier having a great game but some of the other defenses maybe not so much luck to the Cowboys there's a lot of tackles been missing I think it's down to the fact that they're not training you know in full pads as much as they would have a number of years back the new collective bargaining agreement has seen that less kind of practicing in full pads there's less hitting and practice and so on so players aren't wrapping up as well when they're going in for the tackles and players are bouncing off and escaping down the line for extra yards and so on so Maybe that's something that we'll look for to improve as the defences improve going into the season. Maybe some improved tackling as they get a little bit more practice on the field, more so than in training. We'll see how that goes as we go into the season because there have been a few uh, lackadaisical, let's call it, uh, tackles going in, in places over this preseason so far. Call a major blow for Sam Baker and the Atlanta Falcons with the news that he is out for the season with a torn patella tendon. He picked up the injury on Saturday night and it now heaps more pre- pressure on number six overall pick Jake Matthews who was set to play this season at right tackle but that plan may have to change now that 
Sam Baker is out for the season. Yeah, dude, you probably should have mentioned that when we were talking about the, the Falcons and the Texans game, but big blow for them here, watching Hard Knocks. You know, there's a bit of, bit of talk about him, and obviously we're looking at Matthews now coming in this year. He's coming from a, a kind of heritage of offensive linemen in the NFL, Hall of Famer in the family, and Clay Matthews being related and so on and so forth. Quite a talented family, and he's going to have to be the next one to step up in line in the NFL and going to have to do it a little bit quicker maybe than some people would have thought that he would need to, but big blow for the Falcons and you know they're looking they're looking quite well actually but disappointing game this week obviously didn't get too much on the board and this year's a, a big blow for them. Colm you mentioned hard knocks there what have you made of the shows aired so far? Yeah I've really enjoyed them DJ watching them on Game Pass uh, nice and handy get them on on demand get the content on demand when you're watching it on Game Pass really enjoyed it and it's nice to get a behind the look uh, scene behind the scenes look at some of the things going on for a team you don't really get that opportunity too often and you know it's something just a little bit different to, to get a little bit of insight you get to know a little bit more of the personality of the players too Roddy White's been quite entertaining on it and I just uh, overall really really enjoyed watching it's good to see too some of the struggles for the rookies uh, trying to make the roster and some of the drills that the, the players go through while in camp obviously anyone that doesn't have game pass or hasn't had the opportunity to watch it uh, Channel 4 are showing it in the upcoming weeks um as we get closer to the season and more details I'm sure that will be found on the NFL UK website we're going to talk about yet another rookie we could have called this week's news the rookie roundup I guess DJ yeah when we are looking at pre-season you know you're looking to see how a lot of these rookies are doing so I suppose we can call this the OTI rookie roundup Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Gus Bradley has announced that Blake Bortles is now going to get more first team reps he's been getting a lot of second team reps so that's positive news for Blake Bartles as the season gets closer yeah did you have to say overall I was talking earlier about Shazir looking impressive I think Blake Bartles has been very very impressive for the Jacksonville Jaguars when he's got the opportunity obviously he's going against second string you know opposition in the on the defensive side of the ball but he's also playing with some of the second string off the Jacksonville Jaguars and I've liked what he's done he's looked strong in the pocket has poised him you know he's very very like imposing figure and has that kind of Ben Roethlisberger build maybe a little bit more athletic but a few times then he rushed out of the pocket and threw the ball in the move and has a little bit of speed to him can move a bit more of the maybe Andrew Luck uh, mobility range and I, I was very impressed with him overall very strong arm down throwing the ball deep down the field and like what I've seen from him and I think Chad Henney has been also very impressive and I think if Chad Henney hadn't been playing as well I think there'd be a lot more shouts for Blake Bortles to start this season but I still think that they're going to go with the plan to, to start Henny and take Bortles in eventually and I think probably by October we'll see Bortles playing probably we'll see him before they come to Wembley playing in the National Football League starting for the Jaguars but I think overall Henny's been good as well deserves his chance he's been steady when he's been called upon and it's going to be interesting to see Bortles develop down there in Jacksonville Few, a few impressive pieces too there on the defence in Jacksonville they have improved a lot over the last few years and Gus Bradley and the, the staff down there have to be you know given huge props for what they've done they've taken an organisation from basically ruins and built them into a team that looks like they're definitely going in the right direction so very very positive signs down there in Jacksonville that they, they can talk things along and later on in the show DJ will be talking with John Arnett and he lives in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a Jaguars fan, so it'll be interesting to get his take on the Jacksonville Jaguars later in the show. And Colm, of course, it wouldn't be the Overtime Ireland podcast without me getting at least one mention about the Patriots into the show. Very good 42-35 win against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Yeah, DJ, and uh, the only thing I want to get your opinion on so far in this game is Mr. Brilliant is pick six in his attempt to, to avoid the pick six with a, a tremendous-looking missed tackle. And it's all gone quiet. Uh, yeah, um, it's probably the only pick six I think Tom Brady's likely to throw this season. It was <laughs> You're hoping, pre- anyway. It was a pre-season game, and Tom done some good things other than that in the game. Yeah, so, I'm just interested in your opinion, DJ. I know Tom wanted to stop the pick six, but as he went in for that tackle, were you thinking, uh, just let him get the touchdown, Tom, it's pre-season, let's not uh, injure that arm? It would have been nice to see Tom make the tackle, but <laughs> thankfully he decided better and dove out of the way. <laughs> well, that looked like he was trying to dive out of the way with the looks of things. Well, it was more impressive than Ryan Mallett's attempt to, you know, dive in the week one preseason game where he almost destroyed his knee trying to get to the ground. Are you any other takeaways, DJ, from the New England Patriots in this game? I was happy to see Bran LaFell getting a touchdown for the Patriots. Kemble Tompkins also had quite a good game. Three receptions for 32 yards. Yeah, I think DJ, it's interesting to see how them players from last season who came in as rookies obviously progressed this year and showed glimpses last year a lot of injuries they had a few games where they were missing in and out in and out those rookie wide receivers and I think this year is a big big year for them the second year is really the year that you see if it's uh, how good they're going to be in the NFL and some nice catches by them and overall quite impressive I was quite impressed by Garoppolo when he came in and thought he showed some good uh, touch on some of his throws and overall very nice play from him and I think that he's definitely surpassed Mallet on that depth chart you mentioned it last week DJ I think Obviously, he started with the second string after Brady came off, and have to say, DJ, it looks like he is going to be the man there behind Tom Brady this year, and remains to be seen if Mild makes the roster, if he's traded, or what happens, but I think that uh, they'll probably only keep two quarterbacks, so I think Mild could be in a little bit of trouble there. The present column, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's done enough to be the backup quarterback in New England, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ryan Mallet does eventually get traded away from the Patriots, and I think one of the biggest things to take away from this game is Colin, Mark Sanchez got two touchdowns. Yes, Mark Sanchez, two touchdowns. Well, I actually put out in the Overtime Ireland Twitter feed, DJ, before this game, who would start more games, Nick Foles or Mark Sanchez. And some people laugh, but this time last year, Nick Foles wasn't getting too much uh, publicity from anyone around the NFL. And I think if you look now, you know, he's the starter for the Eagles, Chip Kelly's offense, and whatever's been done with Nick Foles there has made him a much better quarterback. And he had... 8 of 10 in this game, 81 yards, 1 touchdown. Then Mark Sanchez came in 11 of 12, 117 yards, 2 touchdowns, and he had 1 interception, which is not surprising with Mark Sanchez. But maybe Mark Sanchez comes in and plays a little bit better here, and I think uh, there is the potential for that. And Very efficient, the quarterbacks for the Eagles. I mentioned the stats there, the first two, and Barkley came in as well, 9 of 12 for 132 yards, 1 touchdown, 1 interception. So a couple of interceptions there for the Eagles, but overall quite an efficient night from the quarterbacks there for the Philadelphia Eagles and you know they're looking like they're going to be a high octane offense this season again so a very high scoring game there between the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles a game DJ that I was talking about quarterbacks there I talked about Jimmy Garoppolo touching the ball when he was throwing it don't know if you've seen it but the Minnesota Vikings finished off strong uh, won the game late on against the Arizona Cardinals thought the Cardinals looked quite good and uh, impressed by a number of their players but I thought the Vikings the way that uh, Teddy Bridgewater led them down field for that final drive not very long left on the clock started off inside his own 20 meter line with I think it was about a minute and one seconds left to go and led them down the field through a touchdown but lovely uh, 
little kind of fade throw into the back of the end zone that was caught for the touchdown and very very impressive by Bridgewater and obviously that pro day you know didn't help him didn't help a scenario going into the draft but before the draft a lot of people talked about him definitely the number one quarterback on their board and I think uh, he's shown that he can be an NFL quarterback I know again talking about playing against second string defense you know with the second string offense for the Vikings but we'll see how he goes but so far DJ I've been very impressed and the word is that he's going to share some snaps and first team training this week coming so very encouraging news there for Bridgewater as well and I mentioned DJ a few weeks back that I thought uh, you know people are talking about sitting these quarterbacks and the only one that I thought that realistically would be sitting starting the season is Blake Bartles possibly and I still think that's probably the situation but I think he does come in during the season but I think Manziel and Bridgewater the other two first round quarterbacks start the season and the other quarterback taken in this year's draft high up DJ and that was Derek Carr he was taken in the second round by the Oakland Raiders thought he was having a nice little game the last day but went off got hit hurt his ribs and ended up that he also got a concussion on that play so he was taken out depends now if he'll miss the next preseason game but I thought Schaub he was he was playing okay but there's no real zip on the ball and he looks like a man shot of confidence after last season with the Texans and I think that uh, Derek Carr looked a lot better he was really fizzing the ball and I thought when McGloin came in too for the Raiders he was looking quite impressive but more fizzing the ball but I think out of the three quarterbacks I think Derek Carr is the best option there for the Raiders and I think if he can get back out for the next preseason game and get himself another another few impressive displays I think uh, he'll really put himself into the fold there for the Raiders I, I really liked what he done in that game James Jones had a few nice catches in that game too former Packers receiver and overall some positive notes there for them and one player DJ have started targeting a lot of fantasy drafts and I actually drafted him last year in our money league and actually paid the price quite dramatically for it and that was MJD but thought he had a little bit of, a little bit of burst behind him when he was playing the last day he looks a little bit lighter he's off some weight this offseason and thought he he was quite good and a lot of kind of veteran acquisitions there but looks to be helping out the Raiders a little bit in the short term anyway a game column I'm sure you had your eyes on that was the Green Bay Packers 21-7 win against the St. Louis Rams, Aaron Rodgers, 11 of 13, 128 yards and one touchdown pass. Yeah, DJ started off here, the first drive for the Green Bay Packers, and you're just looking at uh, Aaron Rodgers and you're wondering what can this guy not do, and really, really impressive. First two drives in particular, the second one threw a touchdown to Jordy Nelson, but was called back for a penalty, and obviously they settled for a field goal then, but some of the throws he's throwing, some of the strikes, and just his athleticism moving about, and you know, him and Eddie Lacy, nice, nice moving there in the backfield, Lacy looked impressive again, and looks like he's going to start where he finished off last season with his rookie campaign, and looks like he's going to be a dominant force again this year, looks in really good shape, and a really physical runner, looking forward to seeing what Lacy and Rogers do, but as a Packers fan, very positive on the offense, and I thought the defense started a little slowly, but finished really, really strongly, and there seems to be a good bit of depth there too, DJ, some younger guys on the roster as they got their opportunity later in the game kind of might have caught the eye and obviously Julius Peppers in there I was very impressed with what he was showing his work rate and really getting a little bit of pressure on the quarterback got to Sam Bradford a few times and talking to people who impressed me I thought Sam Bradford looked very good in his two series that he played for them threw a touchdown and threw some balls under real pressure and into some really tight coverage and have to say that Sam Bradford looked really good in his first game back from that injury he suffered last year, that knee injury that ruled him out for the majority of the season from last October. So Sam Bradford wanted to watch this upcoming season. It's a big year for him too because a lot of question marks still around him whether he should be the face of that franchise. But all, all things considered, uh, very impressive this week for the Rams against the Packers. A player column that done absolutely no damage to his fantasy draft 
stock, and that was Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. Two touchdowns for him in the New Orleans Saints 31-24 win over the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, really, really dominant again, DJ, about Jimmy Graham. And it's like talking about Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what much more to say other than this guy. I know you want to say Gronk's the best tight end in the game, but hard to really argue at the moment with last season and what he looks like going into this season. I think Gronk has the ability to do this, but Jimmy Graham just at the moment with his current form, I think just edges it ahead of Rob Gronkowski. And DJ didn't really seem too concerned about picking up penalties for dunking over the goalpost. That new rule came in last year after, of course, he broke the goalpost. So <laughs> two, two touchdowns, two dunks, two penalties. Yeah, Colm, he picked up two 15-yard on-sportsman-like conduct penalties. Jimmy Graham and his one-man, no-dunking protest. <laughs> I really don't see it happening during the season. I think Sean Payton might put up with it during the pre-season, but whether he'll put up with it during the regular season and Jimmy Graham might have to stop dunking the ball or the Saints will have quite a lot of penalties because, as most people believe, Jimmy Graham will get quite a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, it's just one thing during the pre-season, but I don't think it's going to be accepted by Sean Payton, as you mentioned, during the regular season. So I think we'll see this calm down and I think the penalty's here to stay, but I think Jimmy might have to come up with a new celebration. A couple other bits and pieces of news, DJ, from around the preseason games we've seen over the past week. And the Denver Broncos really give a trash into the San Francisco 49ers. A real, real whipping here. And it was 34-0 for the Broncos against the 49ers. Some disappointing stuff here from the 49ers. Not great overall. Couldn't really move the ball very much. And, of course, Blaine Gabbard again in there and didn't look anywhere near impressive. I don't know uh, if Colin Kaepernick gets injured. He's a long, long way down to that backup quarterback spot for the 49ers. So they're going to be really hoping that he doesn't get injured. And... Of course, Jim Harbaugh isn't too happy, and the 49ers are definitely off, and he's also talking about them being out of form, and he's talked about the backup quarterback, and it's going to be whoever doesn't turn the ball over. He says they've all been turning the ball over. Nobody's stepped up to the plate, so it'll be interesting to see who comes in there at backup quarterback for the 49ers, but certainly they'll be hoping that Colin Kaepernick does not get injured. Cody Lattimore had a nice touchdown in this game as well, um, hauling in a ball, nice long pass down the field by Brett Osweiler, 33-yard touchdown, nice, nice move there by the rookie to get that touchdown, so... Cam Newton also returned to action for the Panthers against the Chiefs in a 28-16 win. And Benjamin again looking good in this here. That's Kelvin Benjamin, rookie for the Panthers. But not very, very many options there for the Panthers outside of him at the moment in that passing game. You see Jerry Hocotchery down there as well. The Chiefs, on the other hand, a few issues here for them. And Travis Kelsey's looked good at tight end when he's played another long score for him in this game. I've been impressed by him at tight end. I'll be looking forward to seeing what he can do. He could be a deep sleeper this year in the fantasy games for anyone playing fantasy football. But... Looking also around um, Eric Fisher, number one overall pick last year for the Chiefs, and he hasn't looked very secure in his position as a starter in the NFL, and I'm just wondering what uh, he can do to improve his game, and I think uh, the Chiefs might, it's not not uh, just to pull the panic button yet, but I think they'll be keeping that panic button close by in case he doesn't improve his performances as a number one overall pick. You'll remember that draft, there was a lot of offensive linemen in the top ten, and he was taken number one overall, and Luke Jokel went second to the Jacksonville Jaguars, so we'll see if he can improve, and it's only pre-season yet, but he's been kind of dominated in most of the games that he's played in, struggled against the defensive lineman that he's faced, so let's see what he does for the rest of pre-season and into this season, but his number one overall pick hasn't been great for him so far. The OTI Fantasy Fix. Your fantasy football questions answered. These over the weekend, we've done our two OTI fantasy drafts. We had one from last year which we continued on that's a 16 man league which quite quite tough draft in that one DJ getting players of a high quality and really really run out of players quite quickly and that that size of a, a league but good fun drafting and look forward to competing this year but 
had a new one, DJ, started up this year. 10-team league and a little bit easier, DJ, getting a, a deeper squad on this one. And we really went for our first overall pick was Calvin Johnson. We kind of went for the Calvin Johnson double effect and we took Matthew Stafford. You were in charge of this draft. And what was your thinking there, DJ, going Matthew Stafford to Megatron and just hoping for double the points each and every week? You went with Calvin Johnson first, Callum, and Matthew Stafford really was just the best quarterback that was left in the draft at the time that I went and selected a quarterback. But I think they are going to be a good partnership yet again this week, and hopefully they'll be getting good points every week except for their bye week, obviously. Yeah, you said the, this week, but I think you mean this season. But I think, DJ, uh, I know I know in a few leagues of people who done that there last year, in particular as well with Tony Romo and Des Bryant. And, you know, it can work for you some weeks, can work against you other weeks. But when they are on top, it really, really spurs your team on a little bit. Took Julius Thomas, a tight end, a nice little team overall. DJ ended up with Arian Foster, running back, Andre Ellington, Deshaun Jackson, Julius Thomas as the tight end, as I mentioned, and then... Anquan Bolden in the flex, so overall DJ really positive team, the backup quarterback Colin Kaepernick and Panthers defense so nice overall team that you've ended up with and obviously fantasy football is a big part of what we like to do here at Overtime Ireland and we'll be talking about the leagues a little bit more in more depth and when we're doing our player pre- or game previews during the season we'll probably talk a little bit of the, you know who we'd be starting out of these fantasy teams and so on but really really looking forward, it's one of the things really enhances your, your fun playing in the NFL, anyone that's not taking part in any fantasy football leagues that listens to the show be sure and try and get yourself into some on NFL.com, you can go over there even if you don't have a group that you're in with, you can just join up with people that you, you don't know or whatever and uh, get involved in a fantasy league, it really really adds to the enjoyment of the NFL season and each and every week you're really trying to get wins and watch different players to see who can get points for you and it really really helps you especially on the offensive side of the ball learn more about different players and different teams if you're only getting into the game so something I'd uh, highly recommend and if you're not doing it already why the hell not let's get you involved in some fantasy football it really was much easier in that particular draft column out of our two drafts to get a good team and get depth on your roster yeah obviously DJ when you've 10 teams compared to 16 teams it's a little bit easier to you know, there's less of a less of a demand on players and you have a bigger pool to choose from, so to speak. Your picks come along quicker as you do draft. And looking, DJ, at it from both perspectives, we're doing in our money league now this upcoming Sunday. And it's a 12-team league. It used to be 10-team league. We're up to 12-team league this year. So it's going to be a little bit tougher to pick, but have the draft board ready and have everything going on. Really, really looking forward to that and really looking forward to winning it, actually, DJ. No response there from DJ. As I said that, obviously, maybe he's I'm not, sure. maybe he's not sure. listening. I'm sure our listeners, Colin, will remind you come the end of the season when I announced the winner of that money league on the show. Yeah, disappointing for me last year, DJ. came second last in that league, so hoping for a little bit more positive <laughs> movement this season from me. And really, really, uh, last season my draft didn't go too well when you look back and the trades went against me. And it seemed to be uh, I had kind of a curse on players. Every player I drafted got injured, so I'm hoping for players in the National Football League who I might draft and for my own team's sake that anyone I draft this year doesn't end up injured almost immediately and I'm talking to you Mr Doug Martin but overall uh, very very good fun this weekend taking part in those drafts and really looking forward to the Money League draft this upcoming week so lots of people getting involved in their fantasy football drafts be sure and check out some great fantasy football podcasts that are going on at the moment and highly recommend checking out Ross Tucker's fantasy football podcast he's doing with Evan Silva he's going to be coming on in a few weeks to talk 
to us again that's ross tucker and you can find that it's the fantasy feast eating podcast fantastic stuff there from ross and evan and evan really 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 knows his stuff when it comes to fantasy football and they're on eric dickens on the show this past week he's also coming on to talk a little bit of fantasy football with us in the coming weeks before the season so looking forward to that plenty of guests lined up including a number of current players from around the national football league so looking forward to bringing all that to you and any ideas you have for guests you know if you want to give us some ideas our way we'll be happy to try and set them up on the show see what we can do and with any ideas you have in general for improving the show or improving the website or so on just send them over to overtimearnet at gmail.com we also have a number of exciting competitions dj coming up in the next few weeks and we've been wanting to plug these for quite some time but more confirmation has come in and we've two madden copies to give away in the coming weeks to for the new launch of madden 15 that's the one with richard sherman on the cover and i'm really looking forward to getting my hands on a game myself to play but we'll have a copy of madden both for the xbox and for the ps4 so looking forward to giving them away in the coming weeks keep spreading the word of the competitions we have with competitions coming up with football america uk as well as new Orleans jerseys and they're doing a great job helping spread the word of Overtime Ireland and the competitions have become up to thank you for helping spread the word off the show. Also, DJ on Twitter this week, we were challenged to the Ice Bucket Challenge from the girls there over at NFL Female, the Sisterhood. We've been on their show a few times. We've had a few of them on our show as well. They challenged us and unfortunately I was working all over the weekend and I had a 12-hour shift on Monday as well, so didn't get time to do it, but I did go on to the site for ALS. I did do a donation and the guys at Overtime Ireland here have donated to that as a result of not being able to do the Ice Bucket Challenge, which let's just say it easy with the weather here in Ireland the last few days, maybe it's better that we didn't do the Ice Bucket Challenge, but we did donate to that great cause. And thank you to everyone who has helped spread the word off the campaign to help uh, with awareness of ALS and so on and so forth. A great campaign and a lot of money has been raised so far and we've seen players from around the NFL do it over the last few weeks. So great effort by everyone involved to help raise some more money for ALS research. So DJ, our guy is over there in Tampa Bay over the past week and a half. That's Connor Philpott. He was on there with us a few weeks ago when we talked to the man himself, Pat Murray, who's down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, put over another point after there this week in their preseason game. That's two out of two for him in preseason. We're hoping that he can make it onto that final roster. And he was down there in Tampa. He was talking to Pat and he had a little word with him down at the practice facility. So we have a couple of minutes here with Connor down talking to Pat. First one talks about the competition, how things are going down there and how he's looking forward to trying making the team. And then the second one was a little bit of, you know, they were just chatting after Connor happened up on the recorder and he was talking about how playing Gaelic football, our national sport, helped him improve his kicking technique and so on and so forth. So let's go into that now and have a little listen to Connor Philpott talking with Pat Murray down at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers training facility. Hey, this is Charlie Batch, former quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to Overtime Ireland Football Podcast. So we're about two or three weeks in training camp now. Have you found the whole experience so far? It's been an amazing experience, honestly. Um, more than I could have ever dreamed about. And I'm here working hard every day. And in my mind, I'm the starter. That's the only way you can think about it. I go out there and make all the field goals that I have to make and hopefully be here in four weeks to start week one. And we saw you yesterday in yesterday's practice and some of today after training looking into punting. Like, what would you expect going further into the preseason? Looking more into the punting side, do you think you'll see a bit more game time in that, in that side of the game? Yeah, I'll definitely see some punting in uh, the first game against Jacksonville. And then throughout the preseason, I definitely think there's going to be more punting involved. Um, I was averaging about 50 yards yesterday, putting them right on the sideline, just like I would knock it into a corner forward. Um, so 
hopefully I've impressed Lovey Smith enough and hopefully I've impressed Kevin O'Day enough to give me a little more shot uh, when it comes to punting. And how has your relationship been with Kevin O'Day, special teams coordinator so far in this training camp? Oh, he's a brilliant guy. He's got a wealth of knowledge and I'm just being a sponge and soaking it all up. He's taught me drills that I've never even thought about that have really improved my accuracy and I mean it shows in training camp. I really haven't missed, which is the name of the game, you know. Yeah, you were at the night practice on Friday. You had a good kick- kicking competition with Connor Barrett. Yeah. Your, how has your relationship been with Barrett and what have you learned from a man of his experience? Connor Barrett's a true pro. I believe this is his seventh year in the league and I've learned quite a lot from talking to him, learning from him, learning how to approach practice every day, learning how to approach a game-like atmosphere like that Friday night. And it's great to be able to compete, a veteran, compete against a veteran guy like that. You know, He's really going to push me to be my best and I'm going to push him to be his best and the best man will win the job. Without Gaelic football, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I've been doing. I, cu- I couldn't punt the way I punt. Yeah. I couldn't kick the way I kick. I grew up kicking 45s before I ever kicked a yeah. field goal. You I know? can see that straight away. I mean, I mean, I was back in St. Tiernox Park right before the Ulster final. Right. We went back to visit some family before I came over here, and I was yeah. kicking 45s. Just because that's the natural swinging motion that I yeah. have, and I yeah. brought it over to this game. And to be honest, playing Gaa, that's the reason why I'm here. And I was very interested, even you know, when you, when you were getting the ball back from the, the, the receiver. Yeah. You know, it naturally fell onto the foot and it naturally sold the natural yeah. solo. Yeah. yeah. Well, but you don't have a hurley. <laughs> I've got one at home now. Um, actually, my uncle's a firefighter in Dublin right. and he's friends with Mick Carton, who played right. on the Dublin yeah. hurling team, yeah. and yeah. Yeah. he gave me a hurley signed by all the Dublin hurlers oh, last year. Oh, it's, it was brilliant. It wasn't a Cork one because they got to the All Ireland. Yeah, 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 we're aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> the OTI Lock of the Week. On the way out of that, DJ, you heard the new sounder. It is the OTI Lock of the Week. Each and every week, DJ, we're going to give our picks of what we think is the best bet off the week. We know a lot of the people who listen to the show like to have a little flutter at the weekend on the National Football League and me working in a betting shop myself. I like to have a little bet on the National Football League, so something I'm really looking forward to. But each and every week, we'll be doing our Lock of the Week here on the show, and it will be in this Lock of the Week segment. But today's Lock of the Week's a little bit extra and we're going to have on our guy John Arnett was on with his number of time last year he's coming on to talk to us and we're going to preview the upcoming season from a betting perspective so let's get John Arnett on the show now Hi this is Harry Carson former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland Back on the podcast now, quite a while since he was on last but I'm delighted to have him back on the show it's our old friend John Arnett from Jacksonville, Florida and uh, he's coming on to talk to us a little bit about Betting in the NFL, his new book, and he's here to set up this year's OTI Lock of the Week. It's the, the debut off the piece this year, and it's been quite a bit of time since we talked betting on the podcast, but delighted to have you back on, John. Hope you're keeping well from the last time we talked. Yeah, thank you, Colin. I'm doing well. Nice to be on. I mentioned your book there, John. We'll get a little plug for it at the start. It's John Arnett's, uh, yes. John Arnett's 2014 NFL Handicapper's Guide. He had the guide last year for 2013, and I can assure you that it served me well throughout last year's season. And although I didn't make a whole lot of money, I, I <laughs> ensured myself that I didn't lose very much money. So quite happy with how last season went. And hopefully this season, with the help of your guy, John, we'll be making a little bit of money here on the NFL. And the book's available from Amazon for $2.99. You can't get more value for money than that if you want to get some inside scoop on the NFL. And we're going to be talking a little bit about it now so you'll know exactly what you can get from John's knowledge of the NFL from a betting perspective. But John... Uh, Really glad to have you back on the podcast, and as I mentioned, you are on a number of times last year. How have things been for you since last season? Uh, doing well. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate the flattery there with my book. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, like you said, it, it can be found on Amazon or whatnot, just two ninety nine, and it's 
pretty long, so uh, it, it'll at least keep you occupied for a few hours. And we must mention that our short odds favorite last year was Seattle. I mean, I I, I got to at least plug that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think uh, how, who won the Super Bowl last year, John? Can you remember? Yeah, how that went? I don't know. I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the Seahawks by quite a wide margin in I the Super Bowl. Was. I think it was. So that there's uh, John Arnett's 2014 NFL Handicappers Guide available from Amazon. Just search John Arnett in the Amazon search button. But we better get into some NFL betting and we'll talk Sounds a little good. bit about what you like this season. Don't give away everything that you have in the book, but maybe a little, <laughs> maybe a little uh, snip for the listeners. No, sure thing, sure thing. Anything. Shoot, Colin. Give me a question. Well, I suppose we'll start off. We'll leave the Super Bowl to the end, John. You mentioned you had the Seahawks last year as your short price favorite, but maybe... Maybe some over-unders or maybe who you fancy to win some of the divisions. Maybe a lot of the teams. I was looking through the division betting today and I'm finding myself quite hard-kept to move away from some of the favourites. And as we all know, John, that there's going to be teams going from worst to first. There's going to be teams going from first to worst. And it's just about picking out which teams do the best. But a lot of these teams that are favourites really look set in stone that they're going to do it all again this season. Do you see any that you think overcoming the odds? Well, yeah, you're exactly right about that, Colin. It's tough to look at it and go against. I mean, you know, how do you look at the AFC South and go against Indianapolis, for yeah. example, and uh, or the AFC East and go against New England? But like you said, we see it every year in the NFL. We will see a worst-to-first or a first-to-worst. I do have a candidate for the uh, first-to-worst, and that is the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I'd I do like their under-season-long uh, win bet. I believe it's 8.5 right now on, on Ladbrokes. Uh, you know, they're... they're they're going to have trouble on offense this year, I believe. Uh, never a great passing team. believe they finished last season 29th in pass yards per game, something like that. But uh, they're the only team, you might have heard this, Colin, but this season's Carolina Panthers, the first team since the 1971 AFL-NFL merger to not have a single wide receiver that was on the roster a year ago. So uh, I, I don't know if you've ch- taken a look at the wide receiver. Yeah. In Carolina, but I think they're going to be starting Jericho Cotchery. I mean, it is ugly. I have to say, um, although last year they didn't have a lot of talent at wide receiver, I think uh, Benjamin looks quite nice for them coming in the draft, but it is going to be one that you're going to be doing a lot of work on the ground, and that defense is going to have to carry them again. And just with what Drew Brees, the Saints, have done, and with what everything else, I think we're looking at the Falcons having a bounce back year this year as well, and it's going to be tough for the Carolina Panthers to repeat and another thing that in that division I believe we talked about this last season I don't think any teams won that division back to back in uh, the last 10 years that's correct and and since we're on that division what one of my favorite sort of surprise teams is from that division the Tampa Bay Bucks I believe their number over under win totals six and a half and I think the Bucks are going to be right around 500 actually picked him in my magazine to finish second in that division I know that that would be a bit of an upset but uh they will be playing good defense this year in Tampa. A lot of young talent on that defense. Lovey Smith, as we know, does a great job coaching defense. And really it comes down to the play of the offensive line and, of course, quarterback Josh McCown because lots of skill position talent there on that offense. The line is a huge question mark. Now, McCown satisfied me last year in the seven games I saw him play. I mean, it you know satisfied me at least to think that he's going to be better than Mike Glennon was last year for Tampa. So yeah. I do think the quarterback position will be upgraded and if that line holds up, I mean, I think the Bucks could threaten 500 or maybe even a winning record. Uh, so, yeah, I think the NFC South is going to be tough as usual this year. And I think Carolina might be one of those teams we see go from 
first to worst. I do like New Orleans in that division. Yeah, same as in it. You say they're the line six and a half for the over unders and uh, the wins for the season. I just see in the latest betting uh, that I have that it's a uh, seven and a half. But as always, shopping around, you might get right. that game. That you might get a different price for that game. But and I, think, I, was, I was about to say this is these are Ladbrokes odds as of two or three days ago. So hey, if you're not using Ladbrokes, maybe you should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to give out a plug for Paddy Power since I'm uh, working with Paddy okay. Power. Okay, all right, deal. <laughs> But, uh, we, we, we all have the people who sign our checks, right? Yeah, yeah, I have to say, I have to agree with you there. But you're uh, talking there about uh, Mike Lennon and, you know, maybe not liking him as much. I've always uh, kind of given him a little bit of credit. And I think Josh McCowan last year, you'll look at uh, the stats and obviously at Branton Marshall and uh, Alshon Jeffrey to throw the ball to. So I think, you know, you're looking at that as well. But I do agree with you there. I think they're a team that could threaten that division. Everyone thought they were a dark horse last season and we all know that they didn't perform quite up to that. Another division that looks very close and it's a team that I have a sneaky kind of late playoff run for a team in this division and it's the AFC North and you know you're looking at the Steelers, Bengals, Ravens and Browns and a lot of talk with the Browns obviously this offseason but you're looking into it and I think the Pittsburgh Steelers could have quite a strong defense this year I think they're much improved there and I like what I've seen in the offense uh, we talked earlier in the podcast about Ryan Cesare and how good he looked in preseason week two and I know it's only preseason but I think they've got a lot younger on defense and I think Roethlisberger if you watch they started off last season very poor lost every game up until after they played in Wembley Stadium in London, and after that there, they finished very strong, nearly made the playoffs, so I think if they can get that sort of form going, I think they'll really threaten the Bengals for that division, and their joint favourites with the Bengals are 2-1 for that AFC North. Yeah, I agree with you on the Steelers there, Colin. I actually think this is going to be the best offense of the Roethlisberger era there uh, in Pittsburgh. Thinks they're going to, think they're going to be really good on that side of the ball. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be between them and Cincinnati in that division. I do like those teams a little bit more than Baltimore this year. I think I think Cleveland is going to be absolutely awful again. I do not think they're going to win more than five games. Yeah, well, if Josh Gordon's missing, which it still looks like he will miss some of the season, and, you know, there's things going on. I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but I still think that they're going to struggle in that division. And I'll tell you what, I, I think they're going to be better on defense, but, boy, they have problems <laughs> on offense. Uh, Johnny Manziel, I like Johnny Manziel and sort of, you know, rooting for him, uh, you know, like his attitude or whatnot, uh, uh, you know, seems to, w- whatever, live life and enjoy himself or whatnot. He, he doesn't bother me, but I think he's going to just uh, be uh, torn to pieces in the AFC North this year, facing the defenses he has to face, you know, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore two times apiece. Everybody's going to want to get a lick on Johnny football, and uh, I think it's going to be a real tough situation for him. Even if he doesn't start the season, even if it's Hoyer to start the season, I do believe we're going to see Manziel in there by week four or five. Even speaking about defenses there, what about uh, the division off the defense? And that is the NFC West. And Seahawks obviously won the Super Bowl last year. Favorites for the division. Not far behind them, the 49ers. Then you have the, Car- or the Arizona Cardinals and the St. Louis Rams. Any surprises coming on here? Or are you still thinking the Seahawks will take this division? Yeah, you know, I, I really think the, the Seahawks are the class of that division column. Uh, I actually am expecting a little bit of slippage from the 49ers this yeah, year. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I think they're still going to be solid. I think we had them projected at 9-7 and seven in the book. But, uh, uh, you know, they're going to struggle a little bit on defense, uh, especially until they get Navarro, Bull, uh, Navarro Bowman and Alden Smith back. Some changes in the secondary. I believe they only have one returning starter in the secondary. So, you know, I, I know it's, it's tough to, to doubt the Niners, what they've done under Harbaugh, not only what they've done in terms of wins or losses, but what they've done against the spread. This team has been a, a cash tree uh, since Harbaugh has been there, just a, a great team to back, along with division rival Seattle, both those teams, uh, a great team to back way above 500 against the spread uh, since the coaches have been there, Harbaugh and Pete Carroll. But uh, I do think Niners are going to take a slight step back this year. 
Now, I don't like Arizona as much this year as I, as I did last season. They have real problems at inside linebacker. Their Washington suspension really hurts them yeah. because, they, as you know, they didn't retain Carlos Dansby. So, you know, the inside linebacker position is so important in that 3-4 defense. And for, for quite frankly, I don't know what they're going to do. So I don't think they're going to be as good on defense as they were last season. Still think the Seahawks are the class of the NFC West. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are the class. But I do think the Cardinals, I think they're going to be a lot better on offense last year. I think Carson Palmer was quite efficient last year he's obviously going to throw with interceptions here and there but i think uh like what they're like the younger pieces that are coming through and i think they'll just jump forward a little bit in offense but it's gonna be a really really tough division and i'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes because it is the most hard-hitting fo- division in football but oh yeah i think then we're looking at the nfc north and of course i'm going to go for the green bay packers here a homer decision they're the favorite in that mm-hmm. division the bears uh, obviously a team that could challenge them with Jay Cutler, if he can stay healthy for the season, and then you have the Lions and the Vikings. See anything there that you like? The, the ever-reliable Jay Cutler, right? Yeah, <laughs> everybody's talking about Jay Cutler like he's a MVP favorite coming yeah. into the season. I mean, would it really shock anybody if by week nine, Jay Cutler is hung, hanging his head, walking on to the sideline, you got teammates coming out, you know, questioning his leadership? You know, I've, I've never been a huge Jay Cutler fan. Speaking of a guy we were talking about against the spread record, speaking of a guy who has been a horrible bet his entire career, and Jay Cutler's entire career, what, eight, nine, ten years, he has had one season where his team had a winning record against the spread. The guy has been a losing bet throughout his career. And even though, you know, hey, they've got great talent surrounding him there in Chicago, you got to like what Mark Tressman did with the offense last year. They were abysmal on defense, and I don't think they're going to be very good on that side of the ball again this season. But... Uh, I'm not as high on the Bears as a lot of people. I, I know eight and a half is their win total on Ladbrokes. I know more people like the over than the under. I actually slightly lean towards the under there. I think the Bears are going to be right at eight and eight this season. Really like the Packers in the NFC North. Uh, I think it's sort of the Packers and everybody else in that division, assuming Rodgers stays healthy. Yeah, I'd agree. And if, I don't think, hopefully, he won't get into two years in a row. Really liked what he did last season. And obviously, when we're looking into the Green Bay Packers winning that division, DJ then being a New England Patriots fan, I'm sure he's very confident in them winning the division this year. But can you see anyone challenging the Patriots for that division? Heavy favorites for that division? I cannot. I I got nothing for you. I, I really, <laughs> uh, you know, Patriots. I believe are going to win. What it's it's nine in the last ten years or ten of the last eleven years they've won the AFC East, one or the other. Uh, and I I just think you're going to chalk it up again. Uh, you know, the other three teams, huge questions on offense for all those teams. Now, I think more Ryan Tannehill than most people. And most people seem to think the Dolphins are going to be awful this year. I, I tend to think they're going to hover around 500. Still don't think they're going to be able to challenge New England. Uh, the Jets, you know, same old story with them. Good defense. They're not going to be very good on offense, even though uh, maybe they'll be better with Michael Vick. I do believe Michael Vick will take over for Geno Smith uh, before the end of October. Obviously, they've added a little bit with Chris Johnson at the running back position. And, you know, the Bills, I mean, you know – you. You look at the Bills, and on paper, the defense should be much improved. They got some skill position talent there. EJ Manuel. I mean, it comes down to it. EJ Manuel might have a bright future in this league, but I mean, we're talking about betting cold, hard cash on these yeah. games every week. And, you know, you pick out a team and you name their quarterback, and you're probably going to want to back that quarterback over EJ Manuel. I mean, obviously, if they're playing the Jags or something, you know, that, that might be an exception, but. You know, uh, the Patriots and the Bills, it comes down to a Tom Brady, E.J. Manuel situation. And I know it's a lot more complicated than that. But, you know, we, we know how important the quarterback is in the NFL. And so I just I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Bills until E.J. Manuel shows me that he can be the guy. You mentioned their quarterbacks. And obviously we'll finish towards the end of this with 
who you think will win the Super Bowl. But you mentioned quarterbacks there, Blake Bartles. Uh, you mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks in particular, so Bartles and Henny down there. Uh, what do you think of the situation down there? Have you been impressed with Blake and been a Jacksonville Jaguars fan? Who do you think will be the yeah, main man yeah, this season? Yeah, I'm a Jaguars supporter here, former season ticket holder. And, uh, yeah, I hope the Jaguars do well this year. Um, not not as pessimistic as I was last year. I was right <laughs> last year. Uh, yeah, I remember I that. People can accuse me of a lot of things over the last couple of years about the Jaguars. They can't accuse me of homerism, and they can't accuse me of being wrong because, unfortunately, I've been all over just how bad this team was going to be. Uh, I do think they're going to be much improved on defense this year. I think they're going to creep towards the middle of the league in the total defense stats, which would be a big improvement over the last couple of seasons. Unfortunately, uh, look, they're going to be terrible on offense once again. I've been impressed by Bortles in the preseason. Like everybody else, uh, he's looked he's you know, he's looked like he's had great command of the offense. He, made some nice nice throws, obviously has a nice arm. Now, I know it's a preseason, so we're not reading too much into it. Yeah. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Chad Henney, I believe, is going to be the starter week one. I, I don't believe uh, Caldwell and Bradley are going to deviate from their stated plan. And when your offense is Chad Henney at quarterback, Toby Gerhardt as bell cow running back, and your best wide receiver is Cecil Shorts, that is one of the worst offenses in the NFL. There's just – there's no way you can make that offense where it's Henny, Gerhardt, Shorts as your best wide receiver. That is not a good offense, and Jacksonville is going to really, 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 really struggle scoring points again this season. Now, hey, people around town are very optimistic. As a matter of fact, I, I bet my barber a free haircut to the Jaguars. <laughs> he thinks the Jaguars will average at least 20 points a game this season. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be quite that good. I think they're going to be hovering right around the – 17, 18 point a game uh, mark, which will mean that once again they're right at the bottom of the stats for uh, scoring offense, points scored per game. But hey, hopefully I'm wrong. With the Jaguars, that is one team where you know I I I, I don't get involved a, a, a lot of times because uh, I, I'm rooting for them to do well. I'm uh, born and raised in this area. I'd like to see football here for a long time, and best way to guarantee that is a winning team. But I'm very pessimistic about the Jaguars' chances this season. I do like under five and a half total wins for them, uh, mainly because I just don't think they're going to be able to score. Yeah, I think they'll be a little bit better than last year. And you mentioned they're averaging more than twenty points. I think there'll be games that they will get more than twenty points, but to average it over the the whole schedule <laughs> yeah. is going to be going to be very tough. So I think yeah, sure, be... I mean, yeah, they'll score twenty points a time or two. Yeah, no doubt there. <laughs> so yeah. I think uh, you might be getting a free haircut there. So <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. I think the so other too. thing I just want to mention on a lighthearted note is uh, what do you think of the the swimming pools down at the stadium? Have you been in for a dip yet? I like it. No, I haven't been in for a dip yet. I'll tell you what, it's a little, a little rich for my blood. Uh, but I believe if you can, if you find 50 people, I believe it's only 250 bucks a person to rent it. But uh, you know the way those things work. What ends up happening is you always have 50 people commit, and then when it came down to it, you'd only have about 27 people that could go. So yeah. everybody would be on the hook for, you know, twice the price. $500 or whatever it would be. But uh, listen, I, I think it's great, the changes to the stadium, because uh, not only the Jaguars use the stadium, obviously the, the Florida-Georgia game, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, uh, a game I'm a yearly attendee, and that game is a yearly event here in Jacksonville, and obviously the Gator Bowl and other events. So, yeah, the, the stadium's a big deal for the city, and I think it's great what they've done as far as the pools and the pool and the video boards. If they can just keep them in Jacksonville, Colin, I still have a suspicious eye towards London. When I see Cecil Shorts running out on the field holding the Union Jack flag, and when I hear about all the marketing efforts they're they're undergoing over there to attempt to turn fans over there into Jaguar fans. Uh, you know, hey, Shad Khan, uh, you know, he didn't make, he didn't become a self-made billionaire by being overly sentimental. Uh, if he was given the opportunity 
to own Europe's only NFL franchise, boy, I, I, I'm not sure he'd pass up on that opportunity. But I, I sure hope that the Jaguars are going to be in Jacksonville for a long, long time. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Been down there in Jacksonville. I'm sure the people off Jacksonville hope that too. Just a bit in the spot now before we finish up, John. Super Bowl next February. Who is left in the Lombardi? Who do you think the money should be on? Uh, well, Colin, my short odds, my short odds favorite this year. And listen, I, I know it's not too original, but the New England Patriots, gold standard for success <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, they're eight to one. Last I saw, it was, yeah, uh, to one. a yearly winner. Look, I think this is going to be the best Patriots team in several years, mainly because of their defense. You look at the the personnel upgrades they've made over the last couple of seasons. I think this is going to be a New England defense like we're like we used to see Bill Belichick defenses several years ago. You know. Remember when Belichick was thought of as sort of an evil genius for his defenses and he'd match up every postseason with Peyton Manning? Well, that sort of evaporated over the last few years because New England has just been so bad defensively. But uh, don't think that is going to be the case this season. Think they're going to be strong on that side of the ball. Think they're going to roll on as usual on offense. Like them at 8-1. to one. Also like the New Orleans Saints at 14-1. to one. So th- those are my two favorite short odds bets for the Super Bowl right there. New England 8-1, to one, New Orleans 14-1. to one. Have some more long shot tips and things like that. But hey, you're going to have to fork over the 299. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say if you want to find out all the information that John has gathered up for this season he's got it in John Arnett's 2014 NFL Handicappers Guide and you can get that on Amazon so be sure and check just Google in there John Arnett get his guide for $2.99 $2.99 so if you're over here the UK or Ireland or in Europe it's actually better value so you're looking at about €2 Euro, so no excuses if you want to make some money in the NFL this season go and buy John's book and thanks there much again go. John for coming back on I really appreciate it, Colin, and uh, we'll be starting next week on BetDAC, so you can check out our week during the season there. But uh, thanks again, Colin. Really enjoy you guys' show. You guys do a great job, and best of luck to you all throughout the season. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Island Podcast. Thanks to John for coming on again. Really enjoyed having him on, talking a little betting with him. Something I really enjoy talking is betting, and I like it in particular when we're talking about the NFL. So good getting John's thoughts there, and hopefully anyone that takes on John's tips will be making a little bit of money this upcoming season in the NFL, and hopefully he'll like to listen in, continue to listen to what I have to say in the coming weeks, and we'll probably have John on during the season again to give us some more of his thoughts as the season progresses. So that is the OTI Lock of the Week segment for this week, and... As with the Lock of the Week segment, we're really going towards the end of this week's podcast. So thanks to everyone again for downloading the show. Thanks for listening and keep spreading the word of Overtime Ireland. Keep helping us grow. Hopefully we'll get some more followers this week on Twitter. Give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, anything you can find us on. We're on TuneIn. We're now on Player FM as well. You can really find us anywhere and anywhere you want to listen to us that you can't find us. Hit us up with a tweet or an email and we'll get that started. We'll get on to that host and we'll get the OTI podcast on that format as well. So... Thank you once again for listening. Hopefully we'll hear you back here next Tuesday with another podcast. But until then, I'm Colin. And I'm DJ. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.